The human gastrointestinal microbiome is in and of itself a complex ecosystem dominated by anaerobic bacteria. These microbes influence physiological function, metabolism, inflammation, immunity, and may also play a role in mental health conditions like depression and anxiety. These are basically probiotics that control the functioning or action of the central nervous system, conciliated, of course, by the gut-brain access through, like you mentioned, neural, humoral, metabolic pathways to help, yes, ameliorate GI concerns, but they also have antidepressant and anxiolytic properties as well. I'm Dr. Kalia Waddles, and on this episode of Pathways to Wellbeing, Dr. Holly Lucille is joining us to discuss the concept of psychobiotics, which are beneficial probiotic bacteria in the gut that may improve health along the gut-brain axis, as well as mental health outcomes. Welcome, Dr. Lucille. We're so happy to have you here. So good to be here. Thanks so much, Kalia. Well, you know, there's this famous quote by the Greek physician Hippocrates that I think all naturopathic doctors are very familiar with, and it's all disease begins in the gut. And of course, in functional medicine, supporting the gastrointestinal microbiome is often the first approach we take with patients with longstanding illness, especially. So to kick off our conversation today, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about the gut and its role in maintaining homeostasis and its function throughout the whole body. Yeah, I think it's a great place to start. I mean, I really think this is everything. I know when I graduated from naturopathic medical school, so that was in 2001, um, during school, even back then, we had a saying called heal the whole. And yeah, it's the whole that starts here and ends back there because it it is it's it's has so much to do, I think, with our overall health, right? Our ability to take in nutrients, digest them, assimilate, absorb them, and allow those to fuel our biochemistry, right? And of course, then bulking and packaging up waste products and getting rid of them. I mean, it's everything. And it's funny because during my 20 plus years of practice, I have had patients actually question my clinical considerations because, you know, they come in with things like anxiety, diabetes, heart disease, and I'm focusing on their gut. They're like, why are you focusing on my gut? I have, you know, I've just was diagnosed with diabetes and I'm like, well, stay tuned. So, you know, I think um, it has just, it's everything. It really is. It is everything that naturopathic philosophy really coming out. So it sounds like gut health has been a huge focus of your clinical practice and maybe what you love to learn about too. So I am really hoping to hear from you. What are some of your favorite strategies when you're thinking about improving diversity in the gut? We always say diversity is everything. Diversify, diversify, diversify. So what are your your favorite strategies to really cultivate diversity within the gut microbiome? Yeah. I mean, I think we know from the research now that a a good diversity index is correlated with better health outcomes, period. You know, so I think for the most part, um, there's always the option, right, of addressing first unwanted organisms, right, that might have become opportunistic because of an imbalance or they might become pathogenic. So we need to remove those. But as far as really the diversity Uh, My recommendation usually is manipulating the microflora through the use of prebiotics and probiotics is an option, you know, using those supplements when needed. 
But dietary interventions, I think, are really key here because what I see clinically is a lot of people eating the same thing over and over and over and over again. This does not allow for a great diversity in bacteria. So this, I feel like, is where that eat locally, right, and 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 also seasonally comes in and get a variety of foods. Variety in our diet will then offer a variety of different, you get a little bacteria, this, this bacteria here, this bacteria here, that is the best, I think. We've got those tools as far as pre and probiotics and being able to alter the microbiome, but that dietary intervention of eating more foods and a variety of them is going to have a variety of bacteria, therefore better diversity. Absolutely. I think the way you just described that was super approachable because I think we can fall into this trap where we think about, oh, we have to eat these, you know, expensive fermented foods, you know, from the specialty grocery store, but really just broadening this lens of the types of foods that we eat can be so helpful on its own. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I have this, well, especially lately in the last couple of years, my mantra of dirt don't hurt um, is huge. And I have this beautiful garden uh, that I just spend so much time in. But it's my favorite, I call it my dirt day. It's my favorite day where I don't have to worry about putting on hair, makeup, what have you. It's like, I just go outside and fuss around and get dirt underneath my fingernails. And sometimes I'm just like, I'll just, you know, we've been so hyper clean, right? Uh, and worried about being so sanitized for the last couple of years. And I'm just like, dirt don't hurt. And that's just another thing. You know, it's like, I really treat my garden soil really well. Um, there's a lot of diverse bacteria in there, you know, to help those vegetables and such that I grow. And so I, I feel it's the same way for us. Well, as a, a farmer, someone who grows food and eats from the ground, I can absolutely relate. So um, Holly, you talked about how you'll really dive into gut health with patients who may be dealing with some mental health concerns, depression, anxiety, mood changes. So let's let's talk about this gut-brain axis for a few minutes, because this really describes a bi-directional communication between the gut and the brain, which really occurs through multiple pathways that include hormonal, neural, and immune mediators. And then interestingly, the signals along this axis can originate in the gut, in the brain, both. What can you tell us about the gut-brain axis and its role in health and disease? How are you talking about this with patients? Well, I mean, the conversations are really robust right now, especially as, you know, as it parallels with the research in the gut-brain axis. I mean, we've, we've heard about, you know, the gut-brain, the second brain, et cetera, but yeah, there's these efferent pathways that are sending signals down from the brain to the gut and then afferent pathways sending signals up to the brain. But I do, I just think it's huge because the other thing that I've been thinking about lately and diving into a lot of this research is our organs, right? The brain is an organ, right? Our liver is an organ, but I feel like I've come to sort of see our gut microbiota as an organ in and of itself. So it does interact with our central nervous system, regulates brain chemistry, influencing the neuroendocrine system, um, stress response, anxiety, memory function, and so much more. And the other thing, you know, that is, I think plays a big part um, in the relationship between the gut and the brain is the vagus nerve. Um, so I'm gonna bring out my vagal nerve tuner right now. I hope that helped everybody. I start every little working session that I have with this and I end it with this as well. I love, it's called a love tuner. 
but it's supposedly helping to, to tune and sort of settle down that vagus nerve. And I think so many people need it, but that is another big part of this. Oh, I feel better already. I have to say. I have a friend sometimes she's lovely. She and I will sometimes just video text each other. And all it is, is the vagus nerve tuner sound. And it's like, it's exactly what I needed. Friendship goals. That's yes. awesome. Will you talk to us a little bit about, you know, do you have patients who maybe present with anxiety, anxiety or depression as a chief concern? You really focus your treatment plan on improving their gut health and the mental health aspect gets better without medication. Maybe they don't even have access to counseling. Is that something you see in the real world? 100%. I mean, you know, I think that there are obviously many different modalities, many different approaches to a clinical condition, but I have to tell you, and in the last at least three or four years with once again, the research being so robust in the gut brain access and these disorders, like, I mean, and we're talking anxiety, depression, but I would also go into bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, sort of higher upstream and then lower downstream. Um, well, also other cognitive things, Alzheimer's disease, dementia, Parkinson's disease, MS. And then, yeah, we see concomitantly IBS, IBD, right? And other things, but 100%. Um, and I've got incredible cases, especially with some younger folks that are coming out of the pandemic and presenting with um, a little post-traumatic stress and also OCD. It's been wonderful to work on their gut and to see their behaviors change in a positive way. Mm, yeah, that's so exciting to hear. And I think... Oftentimes when we do our gut healing, we just feel better. And so all of a sudden, all of the other behavior changes that are so helpful as part of our, you know, whole complete whole person care become more approachable because we just have more energy. We feel better. Yeah. And that's a tricky one too, right? Because there's so many things sometimes going on at the same time, but I do track and have my patients track, you know, throughout time as far as, because when we're working on the gut, right, for short and long-term goals, especially when people are presenting with more depression, anxiety, OCD, um, it's important to accelerate milestones, but also to see what's working. And so I have them keep a symptom journal and we see over time as their gut heals, and then we can, we can, we can measure that through testing. But also I think the best measurement is exactly what you said. You start feeling better. Yeah. And without that tracking, you know, people are like, they're like, oh yeah. It, it, it's almost like they, it just dawns on them that they're not counting as much, right. Or they're not uh, engaging in those behaviors that were getting their attention or getting their parents' attention so much. And so it's really lovely to see. Well, I think we've highlighted here how, you know, as you said, there's often a lot going on. It's the gut but there's all these other external variables as well. And we know that some GI related pathologies are deeply connected to stress, autonomic nervous system. And stress, for example, may precede the presentation of symptoms or really mediate their severity, I think. So how is emotional and mental health connected 
to gut health, you know, in the functional medicine matrix model that we have, the center of our matrix is the mental, emotional, spiritual component. So when you're working with patients on their gut health, is there that piece where you're checking in on their mental, emotional, spiritual health as well? That's a great question. And I would say always, you know, I I think sometimes what you're talking about, it's almost that chicken or the egg story in a sense, exactly, right? Because a troubled intestines can send signals to the brain, just as a troubled brain can send signals down to the gut. And therefore a person's stomach or intestines distress can be the cause or the product, you know, of anxiety, uh, stress, depression. Um, And we know that because we know this, 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 access, this gut brain access that we talk about. But I think without the research that's out there right now, we also know it because we can feel it. You know, I remember running track in high school and I ran the mile, right? So it was a pretty long race. And it was also just like, there was a lot of time to get uh, nervous about, right? It's not like a, 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 a 440 or a 220, as we used to call them. It was the mile run. And up to the time when that starting gun went off, I'd be in the bathroom, right? My nerves of running that race would, and so we we know that we feel it. We feel what are butterflies in our stomach, right? We know that the only organ system that's directly innervated from our nervous system is our intestines and our gut. And so, and we can feel it. So the research is amazing. And I mean, I just, who can keep up? I just keep scratching the surface, I feel like, and just getting deeper and deeper into these rabbit holes about these precision probiotics that are coming out. You know, Cleo, when I graduated from school, I don't even think we were talking about probiotics. They were new on the scene. And it wasn't until like the human microbiome project and all of that, that we're starting to get And so it's been so fun for me in my career to keep up and to apply this knowledge and get good clinical outcomes. It's I'm I'm having a blast because of it. Well, it is so fun to watch how this field is developing and changing and emerging. And this is this is the perfect lead into my next line of questioning, because you mentioned mentioned probiotics. That was the hot off the press cool thing. And now I think most of us are familiar with probiotics. Yeah. Now. Uh, we've introduced in the intro of this episode, this new term, which is psychobiotics. And I think that term is relatively new to many of us. Will you give us a sound bite? What is a psychobiotic? Isn't it crazy? Like, I know a psychobiotic, but I've also read that there's like ghost biotics and postbiotics and pseudobiotics. And I'm like, this is what I said, who can keep up, right? Yeah. But yeah, I think I think this term was defined like in in like 2013, right? So relatively new, but these are basically probiotics that control the functioning or action of the central nervous system, conciliated, of course, by the gut-brain access through, like you mentioned, neural, humeral, metabolic pathways to help, yes, ameliorate GI concerns, but they also have antidepressant and anxiolytic properties as well. I don't think we really are fully clear on the mechanisms of action, right, of these psychobiotics, but they induce metabolites and hormones and immune factors, like you mentioned, and can modulate neurotransmitters. So it's it's absolutely fascinating research. That is fascinating. And I'm very excited to learn more about this. So, okay. Psychobiotics. This is our new hot term that we are all going to be searching furiously after this episode. 
So can we talk a little bit about the bacterial strains that may have been studied for their role as psychobiotics? Is is this something that we can access? Do we yeah. know? I mean, there's there's quite a few that have been mentioned in the literature. I mean, I can, I mean, how much time do we have? I can go through a, a couple of them. But like, so lactobacillus rhamnosus, right? We're pretty familiar with that. Crowd favorite. Yep. So preliminary research suggests some supplementing with this can lower anxiety in humans. So there's been some human studies. Um, and this is mostly GABA is that main inhibitory and relaxing neurotransmitter right in the central nervous system. And the lactobacillus rhamnosus may reduce anxiety by changing the expression of the GABA receptors, one, two, and four. And so there's a lot of studies on lactobacillus rhamnosus, especially for reducing anxiety. Wow, this is so awesome because these products have benefit across multiple body systems. So it just makes sense that we would add this type of intervention to a treatment plan. Are there any food sources um, that contain psychobiotics? Is this something we can get from our diet too? Oh, 100%. You know, as I mentioned before, um, I think food is foundational for all of us when it comes to a modality, right? Nutrition, nutrients. You know, I always say to folks like, these nutrients that we're talking about, you know, even in the evidence-based supplement world that we're in, they're not just a, you know, an online dispensary or a couple aisles in your local health food store. These have come from plant to pill and they are things that drive our biochemistry, right? We need them. And so food is extremely important. There's actually like a psychobiotic food pyramid out there, believe it or not. And it, it, it's not going to surprise you, Clea, that the recommendation is basically those whole foods, right? Vegetables, fruit with each meal. So this would be the foundation. And then it goes up to like seeds, nuts, herbs, clean oils, quality of food. I've been talking about so much lately. I'm just finishing up the um, oncology nutrition consultant certificate. And I mean, we know a lot about food and nutrition, but the quality of our food, it's, it's not the food sometimes that we're asking people to avoid. It's we're asking people to avoid the food because of what we've done to it over the years. Right. And so those qualities are so important when I talk about seeds, nuts, and oils. And then four, I would say fermented foods is going to get you there. And then fish and seafood, uh, poultry and eggs, maybe two times a week, and then sweets and red meat, maybe once a week. But you can get these in good plant-based, uh, nutritional, high-quality foods for sure. Well, lucky for us, that list sounds delicious and it's some of our favorite foods anyway. So that's kind of like uh, that Mediterranean diet type thing that's going to get you there. Things we would recommend anyway. So it sounds to me when you're putting together a treatment plan, let's say you want to you want to make sure your patient is getting some exposure to these psychobiotics, that there's a dietary component, that there's potentially a supplemental component, that really we can create this, you know, a, a very well-rounded treatment plan utilizing all kinds of interventions. You bet. You know, what I've seen so far for me clinically in using psychobiotics is that the food part, we have a lot to do because cleaning up people's diet and, and, and them engaging in behavioral change is a big deal, right? And I know that that's going to take a longer time and more intense intervention as far as touch points. You know, I have to understand their ability to adhere, their motivation to change, all of those things, which I think are really important, their health literacy, you know, like, why are they doing it? And, but there are, I think, some really high quality products with the research that, you know, manufacturers have blended 
these synergistic psychobiotics that I can put it on board as a recommendation to get the job done just a little bit quicker, right? And so we're concomitantly working on that food piece as well. I think that is a very important point. And I say this all the time. It's not an either or. We're not going to do the food or the supplement. You know, it can be an also and. And and really that's to the benefit. Well, so many benefits. We've talked about the food. It's not only um, this the psychobiotic action, but it's improving the diversity. So really we can utilize so many tools in our toolbox. Yeah, and there's such great testing out there now too, where, yeah, you certainly, you know, taking, have get, having good clinical acumen, understanding the clinical presentation, marrying that with the history of the person, doing good in investigational interviewing and such, but then having that clinical hypothesis and confirming it with the testing that's available, especially when the microbiome is concerned, it, that's where I think the sweet spot is because then we can get, there's these precision probiotics that are amazing, right? I mean, to lower LDL cholesterol for depression, for obesity, uh, for OCD even. Um, so we can get super specific with folks and really walk our talk when it comes to individualized treatment. And mm-hmm. so I think that's exciting too. You read my mind. You must have known I would ask about testing next. That's just the natural line of thinking. So you mentioned precision precision probiotics, which I think is so fascinating. Is, are those treatments that we can only utilize if we have testing or we can utilize those products based on the clinical, you know, our history collection, our physical exam, our, our other labs? Can we call upon those products without, you know, a comprehensive stool analysis? I think that's a great uh, question. And I, I would say yes. Like, so if I, so for example, um, let's say I'm working and caring for somebody who really wants to change their lipid profile, right? We need to swap some things up, like get that protective HDL up and the LDL down, you know, maybe get some more antioxidants on board as far as that's concerned. But there's, um, I think it's lactobacillus plantarium CECT 75 Two seven, um, which is the bacteria that has been shown to help reduce LDL cholesterol. So with all the good dietary recommendations, exercise, lifestyle interventions as well, that's a perfect part of a synergistic comprehensive program. You could do the same thing with, I mean, um, bone mineral density, right? So lactobacillus KCI 393, Uh, has been shown to help with bone mineral density, which is another synergistic, great little tip that you can put on board along with other things that we know, right? Number one in the research is weight-bearing exercise for for women postmenopausally that are struggling with, with bone issues and osteopenia, osteoporosis. So precision probiotics, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. The research is fascinating. And like I said, from a kid that graduated in 2001, we're barely, we're talking about probiotics. And now where I'm just like, oh, I can't get enough. It's like, it's crazy town. Okay. So you graduated and people were barely talking about probiotics. Now we have probiotics, prebiotics. We mentioned psychobiotics. And now I'm going to introduce another term, which is symbiotics. Just as we're doing our terminology review here, will you give our listeners just a brief intro? What is, what is, what is symbiotics? So I think the idea behind symbiotics, which is great, this we got this terminal. Maybe this podcast should be posted along with a, a, a yeah. glossary, <laughs> right? So, um, is that 
it's adding prebiotics to a probiotic supplement. Um, so it can ensure that the digestion-friendly microorganisms arrive in the gut alive and well. And they're particularly useful for people with conditions like IBS for sure, and other bowel disorders, um, even diabetes. So that symbiotic synergy, it's like that one plus one equals 10, is adding those prebiotics along with the probiotics to get the job done and make sure that those probiotics are eating the right thing so they stay alive, survive, and thrive. That sounded so nurturing how you said they arrive alive and well. I really liked that video. Yes. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny because I think that our conversations around probiotics used to be mostly around delivery form, right? Survivability. Um, how are they going to, you know, get through that stomach acid, the bile acid? How are they going to, you know, and then also dosage, like right colony forming units. And, and, and I think I, I like having these conversations because I think the consumer sometimes can get confused, right, with all the claims out there and everything. And if maybe more is better if you've got 25,000 colony forming units or, you know, or five or 10 or, um, but there's just so much more to talk about now uh, with this precision and with symbiotics and psychobiotics and postbiotics and all of those things. So it's very, it's very interesting. It is extremely interesting. And I, I, you brought up a question for me, which is, okay, I think we've established a clear benefit of using probiotic strains, maybe even very specific probiotic strains to support our patients. Is this something that our patient needs to be on forever? Is there a, an expected timeline? Does it depend based on what they're eating, what their lifestyle looks like? Any, I just would love to hear your perspective about the timeline. It's a great question. And I think for everybody, it's different. So if we're trying, if in, for me, if I'm trying to get a specific job done where I'm using a specific probiotic, I think there's going to be a time based around that. And I usually like to give people a time base around any recommendation. And then there's this thing called maintenance, right? Um, I have a little saying called supplement your lifestyle. Right. If I'm work, so I, I work in this really small town out here in the West Coast called Los Angeles, and we've got this really small industry called the entertainment industry. And some of the people that I see, I mean, you know, they're wined and dined, and their lifestyles are buzzing, right? I mean, and I guess pun intended. And so, so if I have somebody who, on the regular, right, maybe they've come in for something that's really getting their attention, but on the regular, their lifestyle is running pretty pretty hard. Uh, from a stress perspective, right? So adaptogens are going to be on board as a maintenance. Uh, and then yes, if they're drinking each night, so we'll do milk thistle to protect, you know, that liver. And then as well, we know that alcohol intake, you know, will disrupt the microbiome. And so there's going to be a probiotic. It might not be the same probiotic that I chose to get quote unquote, the job done clinically that they came in for, but there's going to be a recommendation on covering the basis and supplementing your lifestyle. That's kind of how I work. There's a maintenance phase for folks, which is who are you when you're not suffering from this one condition that actually got your attention enough to come in? And how can we optimize and mitigate the, um, the lifestyle influences that people are not willing to change or can't change or don't have much control over? Supplement your lifestyle. That is, we need that t-shirt. It's a very important point. Call my trademark attorney right now. Exactly. Get him on the line. I mean, that's so well taken. I think that's 
that is individualized medicine. So thank you for sharing that with our audience. It sounds like you have a, a very interesting client database and have seen a variety of cases. Are there any cases that come to mind where a probiotic or a psychobiotic intervention helped improve your patient? Anything really come to the front of your mind when we talk about that? Oh, again, how many, how, how much time do we have? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I have been seeing trends out of the pandemic, I have, and they've been with younger girls um, having really some mental health issues. And that is where psychobatics have really shined for me lately. Um, The results that I've been getting have not only blown me away, but you know, who is blown away is that these parents that feel like they've gone through so much in the last couple of years. And now the result is they've got, you know, this troubled individual and being able to work with them and help that, and then see more promise and more, um, sort of excitement in their future and not so glib, it's been amazing. So yeah, the psychobiotics and the research around them and how I've been using them clinically and the outcomes that I've been getting, I've been super excited about. Yeah, amazing. And and in these, these outcomes that are unexpected, are you using both food and supplements for the most part in these cases? Yeah, great question. Always, once again, always working on cleaning up somebody's diet as far as quality um, and of course what they're eating. But uh, the the actual products and using psychobiotics that have been studied in the research, getting those on board. And the other thing I was working uh, remotely uh, with a client in New York when we could, when, when the pandemic had opened things, um, OCD. Some of the the results that I've been getting for using psychobiotics for OCD, unbelievable, unbelievable. And once again, this younger population that I think has gone through so much, we all have, but that's what I've been seeing trend like from a clinical perspective. Excellent. If we want to prescribe psychobiotics or we're a patient and we're a consumer and we we want to use some psychobiotics, how do we identify? I mean, it doesn't say on the bottle, right? Or maybe it does. What do we look for? Yeah, that is a great question. You know, I think understanding in the research, so just going in and using that search bar, um, the the amount of research that is out there, and it's people are writing about them all of the time. Um, I just read an article on postbiotics. It was postbiotics. Now, these are, and it had to do, with the mental health issues spurred on by COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And, and then there, there's also, we're coming to a point in the research as well, where there's so much literature review because there's been so much written. So you can find condensed, easy to read and extrapolate articles. And then you can also understand what these studied strains are. And usually manufacturing companies that have packaged together um, evidence-based postbiotics will be writing and you can, you, you'll be able to see their product um, kind of next to the literature in a sense. So it's a, it's um, it, it, I think it's easy to navigate and understand where you can actually get some of these for sure. Okay, great. Well, now we know what we're looking for. So Holly, we could probably talk for five hours about this, but unfortunately we have time constraints in the real world. So as we're coming to the close of our episode today, 
anything else we need to know? I mean, what, what, what do you hope our listeners take away from this episode? You know, I think the, one of the most important thing is this, when I feel like Clea, sometimes when things get introduced in our, um, in our sort of landscape, they get very commercialized, like the gut brain access, or, you know, the guts, the second brain, and it is real, it is real. And the amount, and like I said, that's why I've been thinking about our microbiome as an organ in and of itself and its ability to communicate to all of these different clinical conditions, especially through the, you know, the, the um, gut brain access and the vagal nerve and the way that these postbiotics and probiotics are working. I just feel like we need to take it seriously um, and, and know that it's real and that I think people Honestly, uh, consumers and our and practitioners, we should continue to follow our gut. You know, that feeling that we have. I mean, if there's anything that has driven home more of that intuitive sense, it's for me, is it's been the it's been the heady research that I've 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 gotten my hands on. And it's just made me believe more and more how important it is to pay attention to our gut. Um, and like I said, you know, you might look at me like I have six heads if you come in diagnosed with diabetes and I'm wondering, you know, about your stool and your bowel movements and such, but it's real. And these precision probiotics and things like postbiotics can make a huge difference. Well, thank you so much for your insight. We'll take it back. We'll start and close with Hippocrates. All disease begins in the gut. And I think you've beautifully highlighted so many ways we can support our gut health today. So thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate your time. It's been great chatting with you. You as well. Thanks for having me. To join the conversation on this topic, visit IFM's pages on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about functional medicine, visit ifm.org.